For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. You are listening to Habs and Minded. Brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello and welcome to a summer of Hatsons Minded. It's a couple of weeks since that dreadful last game of the season. Uh, a very positive season. We have to f- start with that. It was a brilliant season that not many of us expected. A uh, deep run into the playoffs, playing in the final. Uh, the value for, for the young kids experiencing this is going to be awesome to have. In, in, in the future. Um, I, was gonna, I was just going to say as well, winning the Clarice Campbell Award for the only time. Yeah, as well. So, and you, and as you can hear, it's me, Patrick Bexel, and Anton Rossegård <laughs> from Sweden, a summer Sweden that is fantastic. I don't think Anton has any thoughts about leaving for Italy with the, when the weather is like this. No, I'm leaving for Wales instead in a month. Yeah, well, where there rains yeah. and it pours. Yeah. Uh, we also have none other than Jared Book with us. Thank you, Jared. Yes, I am here. It's always a pleasure to have you guys here. Um, from near Earth orbit, we're going to look down to the uh, Seattle expansion draft that really has been thrown into a Montreal chaos. And, and other teams are starting to, to wonder what's going on in, in uh, Quebec at this time, because there has been some news coming out of the Montreal camp this week. And let's start with the first one that broke, and it's, it, that is Shea Weber, who might not play hockey ever again. Yeah, it's, a difficult, it's difficult to know if this is just tactics because everything right now is just trying to, you know, get some competitive advantage to the opposition and especially toward Ron Francis and the Seattle Kraken, obviously. And uh, if you have the opportunity to protect more than the 12 players that Montreal has already protected by basically leaving out the highest valued contracts, but at the same time kind of hinting to reporters that there may be injury issues um, so that maybe you can protect 15 players instead. Yeah, that's understandable. And I'm surprised that more teams aren't doing something similar. Everything is just so weird. Like, it's just weird. Like, I just don't know what to make of it. Like, it just, 
I'm not saying the Canadians are making it up and it is convenient that they get to protect Ben Sherratt and Jake Allen because Price and Weber are, are hurt. But I mean, they can't hide anything from Seattle. And, and I do think that Weber's situation is more serious and that it's been said that it's more serious than Carey Price's. So I, I do think that there's genuine concern about whether Weber will, will ever play again. I don't know if he will. I don't know if he won't either. I, I, I think that, but I think that he's more long-term. When it comes to Carey Price, I think I see this situation, and yes, there's the injuries. I, I just think that, yes, the injury played a part because I think that that made them more desperate to save Jake Allen. I, I think that was a major part of that whole situation because if you lose Allen and you know that you're going to lose Carey Price for even a month, are you really willing to ride into the season with Caden Primo and Michael McNiven as, as your two goalies, or, you know, even if you sign somebody in free agency, like Yaroslav Halak, like, do you really want that guy to be the, the, the starter for, you know, the first, first part of the season? I, I don't know if that's the case. So I think that Allen was protecting Allen was more related to Carey Price's injury, but I do think there's a, a chance that Carey Price gets claimed here. I, I don't know if it's that's, that's necessarily the most likely scenario, but I do think that there's a, a situation that happens. And I think that protecting price in this situation is kind of like when they put Paul Byron on waivers. Yes. The short term might be affected, but Hey, the worst case scenario is that you have $10.5 million in cap space to play with. So, also, you know, also there is the, the uh, Angela price message on, on Instagram that was like, everything will be clear in a few days. And it really hasn't been clearer. I think by the draft, it will be clear because who knows? Maybe Montreal has a deal of Seattle already, right? Maybe, maybe Carey Price wants to go to Seattle and this is just a way to ease his exit. I'm not saying that's the case. I have no knowledge of that, but Seattle's not going to take Carey Price if Carey Price doesn't want to go to Seattle, right? So just as Montreal is weighing the options of what if I, what if he gets picked? I think Harry Price has weighed the option of what if I get picked and he gets to go closer to home, uh, his wife's home state. I mean, there are worse places that he can go if he doesn't finish his career in Montreal. Yeah, I think as well that he's just basically he he has weighed the options and he's mm -hmm. found out that really he has nothing to lose either way here. Yeah. Because like if he was dead set on playing in Montreal next season, he wouldn't have waived his no movement clause. There would be no reason for it because if it was more important for him to just secure his spot in Montreal, then obviously he had no reason to do this. It was his choice because they said that as well um, on Twitter. I don't know. It was, I think it was Frank Saravalli who said that uh, Carey Price came to Montreal and brought up this idea. And because he did so, because there was no um, force from Montreal to trigger uh, Carey Price into, um, well, withdrawing his no movement clause, then they could um, they could accept uh, accept it, even though it was later than Tuesday this week. Um, but normally they don't accept if 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 you haven't waived the no no movement clause by by Tuesday, it wouldn't have been possible. So I think Carey Price will be happy no matter what. I think this is a way of like basically trying to 
protect more players. I think I really think that there is an injury and Mukir Price may miss some part of the season, but just the fact that he's going to the United States within the week to check out like the status of his injury and everything, it, it seems like everything is kind of planned so that Seattle will be reluctant to pick Carey Price because they won't know before the draft how serious this injury is. But yeah, I think that Carey Price is at least open for the move to Seattle. Looking at it from, from another perspective is that, you know, he, uh, Seattle is more or less sure to make the playoffs in the Pacific Division. Yeah, it's a yeah. bit tougher for Montreal in in, in next well, year's Atlantic. <laughs> you know, I, I I think that Seattle. I mean, look, there's a lot of players. You know, the difference between this and we don't know what side deals have been made yet, right? That's that's an important caveat here. But when you look at Seattle's options over Vegas's, is that now teams are basically daring Seattle to be like, hey, here's a high-priced, very talented player. Do you want him? How badly do you want him? And I think that's, whereas Vegas kind of put teams on being like, you know, kind of scaring teams into protecting players and trading them picks and stuff to protect players. And maybe that like second tier of player would be available. Guys like Marcia So and Riley were, were available because they wanted to protect you know, defense and they want to protect, you know, that, that kind of high price talent. I wonder if now the teams are like, whatever, you know, we're not going to give you any picks or prospects, but if you want to give us $10.5 million in cap room or $8 million in cap room or six or five, go ahead, do it. Especially with a flat cap. That has to be said as well. Exactly. There's, there's value in, in losing cap space. Like everyone's like, Oh, you can't lose you know, carry price for nothing. You can't lose uh, Jonathan Duran for nothing. You know, if, if he's the pick, they're not losing them for nothing. There's value in the cap space. Yeah. We just saw for, for sure. We just saw Andrew Ladd get traded to Arizona together with three draft picks for nothing, just yeah. <laughs> because uh, Lou Lamorello wanted to get rid of that contract. So we actually handed out four assets if you can call Andrew Ladd an asset at this point, but just to get rid of a contract. And here you can get rid of a contract for free without giving up any draft picks. And that is the, you can check Nashville, for example, they only protected three forwards. They are leaving both Ryan Johansson and uh, Matt Duchesne um, Mm -hmm. unprotected. And why are they doing it? Because they are overpaid if you compare to their production, obviously. Former Fremda player, Matt Duchesne, let's be honest. (laughs) And and the funny thing is, is that, you, you only lose one player, right? Like Look, yeah. look at Toronto as yeah. an example, right? Toronto traded for Jared McCann, but then left him and Alex Kerfoot exposed. And you might be wondering, why would they do that? Well, they're guaranteed to have a number three center in one of those two guys because mm-hmm. you only lose one. So, you know, instead of trading for McCann, if they would have just, you know, left Kerfoot available, he, get, he gets picked, then they have to replace Kerfoot anyway. This way, they trade for one, and if they take McCann, okay, then you keep Kerfoot. And if you keep Kerfoot, uh, and if they take Kerfoot, then you have McCann. So you only lose one player. So, you know, Montreal, you look, oh, look at look who they have exposed. It's Drouin and Byron and Deneau and Price. And, well, they only lose one. And if they lose Deneau, and, and if there was a chance of him not going to market, they would have protected him, like they did with Yul Armia, then... Even if you lose Dano in the expansion draft, they likely weren't going to sign him anyway. So 
I, I do think that there's there's value and I think that there's a plan in place. And I, and I think that these injury situations have, while they might have made things less clear from an outsider's perspective, because we obviously don't know what's going on inside, I think that there's a plan inside that will become clear maybe in, an, hopefully will become clear in the next week. What do you guys think about Jonathan Drouin and his future? Do you think he uh, he's a possible selection for uh, for Seattle? I mean, let, let's face it, Seattle has to get all the medical records and and all the information of the of, of the players that are exposed, and and that will give them a competitive advantage in in either declining Drouin or or, or picking Drouin. We, we will understand a little bit more of the Drouin situation. I mean, obviously, if if uh, if he's picked then he's going to play. But if he isn't picked, then is he ready to play? Uh, whatever has been going on, has he been able to handle it and dealt with it in the right circumstances? Um, let's face it, he's a young kid. I'm, I'm 49, so everyone is, is young compared to me. But he's a young kid and, and playing in, in Montreal as a French-Canadian, that's a tough situation for many. He might not be able to handle that. There might be other things that we don't know, and I don't want to speculate. But yeah, I, I th- there is an option to pick him, and, and there is no other team that will be more informed about uh, Jonathan Drouin and his situation than Seattle is uh, right now. And and they they will have an inside to 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 pick him if they want to. Yeah, it's 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 definitely hard to say because we don't know exactly what the issue is we don't know if it's something that will be made easier with a change in scenery we we just don't know i do think that there is a possibility and and there have been people who have hinted at that before we knew that carry price would be available that that you know the the team and drew are working together to find him a new uh, a new start so i think it's definitely possible that he becomes the pick but i i i think that the pick comes down to four people it's gonna be price Drouin, kulak or byron and and i think that they're in that order i i think that price and Drouin are probably among the top but there's uncertainty there uh being the pick uh, i think that you know kulak could be the pick byron i uh, as well sorry i forgot about dano uh but dano has a sign they're not going to take him unless they sign into a contract so uh it, it's possible that it's him as well but i i think it comes down to those five guys but you know, the good news for Montreal is that you only lose one, but if th- there are question marks about the others, so, you know, it, Byron, if they want to clear that cat space, they'll have to trade him. Uh, Kulak, you know, there's a lot of defensemen who are fighting for spots. Uh, they might see value in trading him. There are a lot of players on other teams that were left unprotected that Montreal might be interested in. So I, I think that there's a lot of, uh, a lot of balls in the air and, and Mark Bergman is trying to juggle them and, and not be left without the, uh, you know, we're dropping all of them either. So it's, it's a hard job, you know, when, when people say that Mark Bergevin may be uh, burnt out or, or tired, there's a reason for it. You know, we're, we're just reporting on what it is and it's tiring me out. So I could just imagine mm-hmm. what he's going through. Someone on Twitter suggested that Lucas Vedemo could be the pick. <laughs> yeah. Remember, remember when everyone yeah, was saying it, 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 you know, that reminds me of, remember, remember when Vegas had the draft? And everyone was like, "Oh, Jacob De La Rose, he's going to be the pick." Yeah, yeah, that didn't. No, it, no it's I, not. It's I, not going to be Lucas Vedemo. 
I, I can I think guarantee Luke you that. Is, I think Lucas deserves a shot, a, a bigger shot in NHL than he's gotten so far. But uh, I don't think an, an expansion team with all that selection available to them will pick <laughs> someone like Vedemo. I'll be honest yeah. to say that. Yeah, Vedemo is a very good player. He could definitely be a bottom six option on a, on a good team. Huh? I, I, I'm not saying he's a bad player. But when you look at the other options on the board, yeah. I, I don't think that you can make the case for Vedemo. If, if, if the only way I would see Seattle take Vedemo is because his contract is very, very friendly. So you can yes. splash somewhere else. Yeah, and, if if, the, if and they the are, if... Is, do you really want to splash somewhere else? <laughs> if you have if you have Carey Price available as well, right. might be another team's AHL NHL player that that is being picked to to facilitate cap space for for, for Seattle anyway. Exactly. Like if you're going after a guy like Nina Ryder or Tarasenko or Subban, and you're stocking up on those guys, uh, Everly as an example, then then yeah, you're, you're going to need to offset that or Ben Bishop even. You're going to have to offset that somewhere, right? So so Vedemo could be attractive in that way, but at the same time, maybe Price or Drouin or or even Byron is the guy that you want to spend money on, right? Because they're going to have to spend between the minimum and the maximum of the cap, regardless. So yeah, yeah they I also mean, have to sign up a few more contracts, right? Yeah, you know they do, after, but after but the they'll have they'll have at least twenty contracts uh, after the draft. They have to pick twenty guys signed for twenty twenty one. One person that might be sweating a little bit extra right now that doesn't have a lot of information is obviously David Foley. How much of a bind is Nashville if uh, Shea Weber can't continue playing and hinting at retirement? Uh, and what can Mark Bergevin use that leverage towards the Predators for? I don't think that there's any leverage to be honest uh i shea weber is the one that's going to call the shots here either he wants to stay on long-term injury reserve or he wants to retire and whether he is property of the canadians or property of nashville i i don't think it really matters uh i i, I think that he's going to make his decision and 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 decide from there i i don't think that there's you know i, I don't think the fact that he he can be traded to Nashville and he, you know, go into your organization there makes it any more likely that he'll be on LTIR than it would be if you were in Montreal. You know, I, it, to me, it doesn't really make a difference. Um, obviously there's going to be uh, doctors and disputes about what, what Weber wants to do and what the league wants to do. But I, I do, th- I don't think this is going to drag on because the penalty gets worse year over year for Nashville if this drags on. So I think if Weber is going to retire, it'll be sooner rather than later, because I, I don't think he wants to necessarily hurt Nashville either. Uh, I don't think that's the case. So it, it depends, but I, I don't think there's, I don't think Weber is any more likely to want to not retire based on where he is. That, that I just don't think that matters that much. Obviously there's, you know, value to having an LTIR contract and trading it. But I, I don't know if that's necessarily something. I mean, Montreal can take that advantage more than anybody else because they're near the cap anyway. So to me, it, it doesn't really make that much of a difference because I don't see Weber, you know, Weber's going to make that decision. And we've also seen other players like Jonathan Francais, who has been on, on long-term injury reserve, 
even after he stopped playing, but he he just cashes out the last couple of years, and it doesn't really cost the team anything either. So I could I could definitely see Shea Weber do something similar. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I think that Shea Weber still has, um, you know, he has high praise for for Nashville. It was the team that drafted him, and he he was their captain and everything. I I have a hard time seeing that Shea Weber, being the righteous man that he he supposedly is, uh, would try to screw his um, his former general manager and former former franchise over. So if he decides to, you know, retire you know nashville will go up something symbolic and, and he will return to nashville to be placed on ltir that's just what i think looking at at for, for everyone that isn't aware that the protected players for for montreal is is obviously uh jake allen ben Chirot, joel edmondson jeff petrie josh anderson joel Maria, jake evans brennan gallagher jesper kotkaniemi arthur lekkonen and Tyler Toffoli. is there any surprises here uh, are you happy with that list? Yes and no. No one, yes. <laughs> the, the only real surprise for me is Armia over Dano. But I, I think that that speaks more to the, 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 the negotiations with Dano and that he definitely wasn't going to sign before the 28th of July. So an Armia could, or maybe Seattle doesn't want to pay Dano that much money but they would have they would you know be able to negotiate with armia i i don't think it really makes that much of a difference i do think that you know once weber and price became that that, that was obviously a surprise that surprised me but once that news came out i think anybody could have guessed what the list was going to be speaking about um dano rumor has it he's asking for six seven million a year um will he get that anyway I think so. Say, yeah, no, I was gonna say like it's difficult to say now in the flat cap. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, normally, true. normally, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, <laughs> he, he, definitely. Like we, we saw Kevin Hayes get paid seven, seven times seven. I think just uh, a year or two ago. Um, so I was just th- uh, sitting here thinking, like, what would a new franchise like Seattle would be willing to pay a shutdown center like Philip Dano has pro- proven that he can be. Uh, the only problem for Philip Dano is obviously that he doesn't provide that much offense. And in that case, do you want to play him as your, you know, first center, second center, third center? What kind of minutes do you want to give him and, and what kind of role can you offer him? But for a team like Seattle, I, I would take a long look at Philip Dano and, and really try to negotiate with him because if you could get a center who has just shut down Connor McDavid, not, not Connor McDavid, sorry, uh, Mark Scheifele, we can't say either, but Austin Matthews and, uh, uh, well, the Mark Stone line, basically, uh, in the playoffs. He did shut down Scheifele for, for you know. That yeah, for game. one game. Yeah, exactly. And, and it, 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 well, it caused Scheifele, you know. I was going to say, Scheifele shut down himself, basically. Yeah. But uh, but if you can get a center like that who is only 27, 28 years years old, and you can get him on a five six year deal, that would be great for a new franchise. I, I think that you know that would. I have a hard time seeing like, you could pick someone like Ryan Johansson or or Matt Duchesne, as we as we said before from Nashville, for example, and hope that they bounce back. But they still make more money, both of them. I think I, I don't remember what Ryan Johansson's cap figure is, but. 
I I would much rather as a GM and as a head coach have a Philippe Denot in my in my team um, as a pillar from the start. So I think that the biggest if he wants the money, if he wants the dough, I think Seattle is his best bet because I have a hard time seeing where the other teams would find the cap room. Maybe a team like Detroit, who have saved up cap for a long time now. I think Colorado is an option. I, you, when, you, when you look at the no, you have to look at teams that are heavy into you know analytics and underlying numbers, and Seattle's obviously one. And also, the, the other side of that is, is Colorado is one, and there's a lot of teams that are like that out there. I think that Dano has a better chance of getting that money outside of Montreal than inside of Montreal. And the reason is that is because just the term on that. So, you know, paying Dano $6 million for 21-22 seems like a, a, a no-brainer, of course. But when, you know, Nick Suzuki is going to need a new contract and Cole Caulfield is going to need a new contract and Romanov and Kotkaniemi needs a new contract, but even if he gets bridged, the, the contract after that, there, there's a lot of things here that make it that maybe that's not the smartest move long term. And like putting Carey Price on 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 the unprotected list, you know, you have to balance both long and short term. I, I do think that Mark Bergevin knows that if he loses Phil Deneau, and that's the direction I think things are, are leaning in, I, I you know, pending what he gets on the market, you know, he might realize that Montreal is his best bet. But in terms of just what's what's out there, if you lose Deno, you have to replace him. Whether it's you know somebody who was a true number one center, like a, say Jack Eichel, or if it's somebody who can replace those kind of minutes, like a Blake Coleman or a Michael Granlund, or if it's somebody who is unprotected, like maybe you know, you add a Yanni Gord, or you know, there's lots of options out there for Montreal, especially when you factor in the potential cap space they'll get with Price and, and Drouin and Weber and whatever happens with that situation. So the, Philip Deneau is not irreplaceable, but he needs to be replaced. They can't go into the season with, you know, Suzuki, Kotkaniemi, Evans, Paling. That That's just not going to happen. So they need to they need to do something to get somebody get Suzuki a little bit of help, and even Kakaniemi you can put him into that as well. So I I think that you know he there's a chance that he gets more money six seven million dollars outside of Montreal, and I think that if if he signs for that Montreal will be okay of letting him go, and I think Montreal fans will be okay of letting him go if he signs for five million dollars a year. I think that Mark Bridgman probably should have paid that again, pending whatever else he does. Uh, you know, if he lets Dano walk for 5 million and trades for Jack Eichel, I, I think fans will be okay with that as well. <laughs> but that's also always difficult as well, because we obviously don't know what's going on exactly behind. So we can like, obviously like three years from now, we will know what the figures were and what, what, what Montreal were offering Danoa and and for example, you say if they trade for Jack Eichel, everything is forgiven. But what if they offer everything for Jack Eichel and someone else outbids them or something? We don't know about mm-hmm. that. No, um, exactly. And then they've done everything right. It was just like someone else paid paid better, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so 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 we obviously just knows what what transactions actually go through. We don't know the negotiations behind, mm-hmm. um, and that's why we were probably. If Montreal enters the season and Danoa still isn't replaced from from the outside, yeah, it will look 
it would not look good from the start, especially if he has, if he doesn't get that, you know, $7 million deal. I want to bring it back to, to something that happened a few years ago, right? And, and the obvious parallels to Dano walking away is Andre Markov and Alexander Radulov. And the issue wasn't the hard stance that Mark Bergman took in those negotiations is that he didn't replace either Markov or Radulov right away. And, and you can argue he didn't do it, you know, uh, up until the fact that he got Josh Anderson, Tyler Toffoli, he, and he still probably hasn't re- replaced Andre Markov. So I, I think that the issue here is, is not, you know, what happens with, with Dano or, or Eichel or whoever. The, the issue is he needs to replace Philip Dano if Dano walks. And, and I think that's going to be what the, the move is judged on, not necessarily, you know, what, what Dano does after he leaves or if he leaves. Someone that has been uh, finally replaced is Claude Julien, uh, and Dominic Ducharme has, uh, or Dominic Ducharme has has gotten his interim coach moved, uh, along with uh, Luke Richardson that was extended as well in the coaching staff. Someone that was lost, though, a little bit surprising to, to quite a few of us, was that Joel Bouchard left Laval Rocket in order to take up the Seagulls over in Anaheim. Um, any thoughts on that, especially you for you, Jaron, because you are um, more of an AHL reporter than the other two of us? Yeah, yeah, I, I think that it's not surprising. I, I think as it dragged on, I, I think that you know there were rumors and reports and things like that, and you know there there was no true path for him to the NHL as a head coach. Obviously, they offered him uh, an assistant coach spot. I, I don't, I, it's not surprising. It's a little bit surprising that he took a, a, a job as an AHL coach again, but, but the situation is a little bit different. Yeah, because Anaheim Ducks is going to need a new coach in February. Mm-hmm. It, it, yeah, that, that's part of it. But also, I think that he likes to challenge. Uh, Joel Bouchard likes to challenge. You know, he left, he, he left the Armada in a very good spot when he came to Laval in the first place. He leaves Laval in a very good spot when he leaves here. And, and I think that the challenge excites him. I think that he's a guy that, that just likes to be challenged. I, I do think that there's a path to the NHL. I think that's a definite factor as well. And, and, and he said all the right things leaving. Mark Bergman said all the right things leaving. I think that the Canadians were surprised that he left. And I think that Bouchard was surprised that he left. And he kept on saying how he surprised he was about the interest shown by the Anaheim situation. So I, I think that, you know, that's obviously part of it. But the good news is, is that they seem to have left on, on good terms or at least okay terms. And listen, Bouchard is a good coach, but like Philip Deneau, not irreplaceable. What he put in place is he's just a part of it. And I do think that whoever replaces him can, you know, th- there's lots of good coaches out there. There's a lot of good coaches out there. And I don't think that it's instantly going to go back to the Sylvain Lefebvre days where the AHL team is struggling. And, and things that, the development is a system. And we, we talked a lot about how Bouchard and Dominic Ducharme are so alike in their strategies. And they even st- started to sound alike uh, by, by the end of the, the season. I, I think that that doesn't go away. You know, Mark Bergevin, Dominic Ducharme are, are still going to have the same mindset they had when Joel Bouchard took over. I don't think that Joel Bouchard single-handedly made 
wholesale changes. I, I, and I think that what happens is that it will go on. And, you know, if they hire the wrong person, they hire the wrong person. And then, you know, we're back here in, in a few years. But I, I don't think that it's necessarily, oh, no, here we go again. And, and I like Joel Bouchard. I think he's a great coach. I think he would have been uh, a, a very good member of the organization going forward. But I think that they can replace him and keep go keep building on what he has already built. This is more or less what has happened for the team after the Stanley Cup finals. Uh, we are looking forward. We will continue with the podcast. We got a lot of stuff coming up. Obviously, first and foremost, we're going to have the post-Seattle Kraken expansion draft and the pre-2021 draft draft. Uh, that is coming out later this week. We will have instant reactions from the first day, uh, from, from the first day, and obviously after the, the draft as well. And then this is, you know, this is our strong point of the year. Uh, last year, Anton and I did the top 25, under 25 podcast as well, and we're going to continue with that. Uh, so if you have any ideas for guests, for, for people you want to have on that might shed some more light onto the uh to the top 25 under 25 rankings make sure to to leave us a note somewhere on social media or on uh, uh in any of the podcast articles we will definitely look into it we will try to make things happen we will we, we felt it was a huge success last year with the top 25 under 25 podcast it added another depth and we hope to continue that process this year the draft is always exciting and it's it kind of snuck up on us because the playoffs went so long. Not that we're complaining about that, but we have a lot of homework to do <laughs> in the next week, and and the expansion draft just adding to that. So it's uh, it's a busy time, but yeah, we're, we're going to have everything covered for you like we always do, uh, even if the the season went a little longer than we would have expected. Again, not that we're complaining about that. We'd like that every year, but uh, it, it's uh, it, it's something that we're, we're working on and we're, we're excited to bring it to you. I, I'm, I'm putting in uh, the final touches on our EOTP consensus rankings as we speak, actually. So that's, yeah, uh, that's what ranking just came out. <laughs> <laughs> they, they did. And uh, we'll, we'll be, um, those will be out uh, by, by Friday as well. So, or, so uh, yeah, we'll have a lot of draft stuff for you in the next week uh, along with any news that breaks because we know at least we know that some news can't break until Thursday and some news yep. can't break until Wednesday. So we have a couple of days where we, we think that nothing will happen, <laughs> but who knows? This is like Pat said, this has been crazy since the season ended and uh, I, I don't see it slowing down for at least another couple of weeks. Uh, we appreciate you listening to us rambling. Please keep on listening. Mention it to your friends. We're always happy to, to listen to feedback as well. Enjoy and, and don't be too nervous about the Seattle Expansion Draft.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.